What's going on guys? It's Nick here, back with another video. It's Friday, so time for another collab with Establish The Run, who have been kind enough to sponsor the last few and the next couple Friday videos. As part of this partnership, we have been using their rankings in conjunction with mine to look at the best and worst picks in drafts from a number of different angles. In this one, we're going to take a look at each of the first 11 rounds and see who we have ranked on average as the best pick in every single round. I'm only doing the top 11 because Evan Silva's rankings are a top 150, so that effectively brings you to the end of round 12. But then I was looking at the round 12 ADPs compared with all the rankings and like, I don't have kickers and defenses, Silva doesn't have kickers and defenses, and just the pool of players in that round was a little bit thin. And so we're going to stick to the first 11 rounds in this one. I think that is more than enough. One very important thing we have to go over first is round here is determined by ADP, not by ranking. So if we agree that someone is, you know, a first round pick or should be going in the first round, but their ADP is in round two, then they can be eligible for the best pick in round two, but not the best pick in round one. Understanding the impact of ADP compared to rankings is super important. Swift might be a phenomenal pick in round two, but if you take him in round one, then you lose a lot of that value that makes him such a good pick in round two, and that kind of hurts the upside for your team. I have a video uh, that breaks this down on my website. If you want to check that out, thefensefootballadvice.com. It's under the draft content tab and then premium videos. So who are the best picks in drafts right now? Using ADPs from August 10th when I am recording this. And round one, best pick is Justin Jefferson. I have him ranked third overall, while ETR and Evan Silva both have him ranked fourth overall compared to an average ADP of 5.9. I've actually moved him up to the wide receiver one overall this last week, while Silva and the ETR team do still like him, obviously having him fourth overall. Uh, they do still have Cooper Cup ahead of him, though. I did hear Levitan talk on a podcast this last week about basically saying he's fine taking Jefferson over Cup, especially if you are someone who is concerned about the elbow for Matthew Stafford. Um, the Vikings are going to be very pass-heavy this season, especially more pass-heavy than they have been in recent years. And Jefferson will not only be a target hog in their new system, but he's going to get more layup passes, which is what I'm most excited about. These are just really easy and quick passes with a very high completion rate, just trying to get the ball into his hands and just see what he can do after the catch. I have all the confidence in the world in him this season. And again, I will be ranking him third, taking him third overall and half PPR scoring. And that's just like after the top two running backs are off the board, I have again moved him ahead of Cooper Cup. He's a phenomenal pick. In round two, the man I alluded to before wins for the best draft pick, and that's DeAndre Swift. I have him ranked 10th overall. The ETR projection team has him ranked 16th overall. And then Evan Silva agrees with my ranking, having him listed 10th overall as well. And that's compared to an industry average of 16th overall, which I have seen slip in drafts recently. I got him at like 19th, 20th overall the other day on underdog. I've seen some people post screenshots where they're getting him like at the turn of the second, third round, which is a very unfair way to start. Like that is a phenomenal start to your draft. If you can pair him with a top five player, like unreal upside that you're getting. 
I don't think there's a realistic chance that Swift is like a quote-unquote featured back, uh, you know, getting basically all the carries and the targets, but there are no feature backs at this point. Like there are, if you really want to call, like there's a chance that McCaffrey is, and there's a chance that maybe Saquon is, and I guess you could throw, honestly, Alvin Kamara in there as well as a potential feature back, but there are barely any feature backs anyways, and what we care about are the receptions. And so if you're going to lose out on one thing, sure, Jamal Williams can go out there and take a few carries each week. I don't really care. They're not all that valuable. What I want are the receptions. And his 17-week pace last season before his injury in week 12 was 944 rushing yards with 90 receptions for another 714 yards and 10 total touchdowns. So well north of 1,600 total yards, 90 receptions with touchdowns added on like that is someone we want fantasy. I know that some of you are going to point to basically the coaching change and saying like, oh, well, like you got fewer targets after the coaching change. Is that like a huge issue? I really don't think it's a problem. It's far more likely that he was limited in terms of those receptions because of the shoulder injury. Like it caused him to miss four games be, you know, it was like 20% of snaps in the game. He got hurt. So it was almost five games missed with the injury. And then it comes back. And of course, he's going to have fewer targets. He's coming off a major shoulder injury. So I think he's going to be very involved in the passing attack. This is the best offense that they've had since he's been on the team. It's the best offense they've had in recent years. It's going to be a good team. And that is always good for the running back. You want to be drafting Swift in round two when you can, especially if you can get him at or behind his ADP, which you've been able to do recently. In round three, the best pick is T. Higgins. I have him ranked 26th overall. ETR has him at 22. Evan Silva has him at 23. So I actually have the lowest ranking among all three, though we're all well above his industry ADP. Industry ADP is 30.4, which is like the mid third round. And ETR actually did a really good job of explaining why they're so high on T. Higgins in one of their recent videos. And I'll link that in the description so you guys can check that out, kind of get a, a full take on uh, what Levitan is kind of thinking as far as why they have T. Higgins so high. Um, you're already on YouTube, so it's pretty easy for you to just go over there and watch that video. I think it's, I'll link it. I'll link in the description and I'll tell you exactly like what point it was, but it was like the end of the video. But the basic idea was that while Chase is the better talent, right? No one's going to argue that Jamar Chase is better than T. Higgins talent-wise. They have similar metrics when it comes to opportunity in the offense. And so when you look at it and you say, well, Chase is going to cost you a top five pick. That's a ton of opportunity cost. But Higgins goes in the mid-third. And if they're getting very, very similar volume, sure, Chase is going to produce better because he's the better player. But again, if the volume is very similar, give me, you know, a huge discount getting him in the mid-third round. So again, no one's saying that Higgins is better than Chase or even that he's as good as Chase. No one's going to say that. It's ridiculous to say. But the opportunity they receive in the offense is nearly identical. And it's not like Higgins is some scrub. He's still a very talented wide receiver. So getting in the middle of round three, fantastic deal. But yeah, check out the video. I'll post in the description if you want to go a full take on their thoughts there. It's pretty interesting. In round four, the best pick is Mike Williams. And this is another one where I'm actually dragging down our consensus ranking a little bit. I have him ranked 41st. Uh, then both ETR and Evan Silva have him ranked 31st compared to an industry average ADP. 
of 48. And the bull case for Williams is just so easy to make. I mean, they just gave him a three-year, $60 million contract, meaning they obviously view him as a player who's going to have a large role in the offense. He's tied to Justin Herbert. It's the best division we've seen in years. I mean, I can pretty much guarantee that Mike Williams is going to have multiple games this season with over 120 yards and a score. It's just going to happen. They're projected to be in so many shootouts. The offense is elite. And he's just going to hit his ceiling multiple times. I get when people raise the concerns about, well, his floor each week is low. And, like, I agree. Yeah, he's going to have some weeks that just are not that great. But I'm cool having that lower floor, especially because if his ADP is the fourth round, you've got three really, really good players before that. You can start assuming a little bit of, it's not even risk, assuming some of that low floor because he's giving you access to a ceiling that can win you your league. What did he do to start last season? He was phenomenal. He was unbelievable over the first month to month and a half of the season. What if he has a stretch like that in the fantasy playoffs? What if in these games that maybe everyone else in your team doesn't perform all that well, he goes out there and he does do 150 and two touchdowns. Like having someone on your roster that has access to that sort of ceiling can single-handedly just win you a week when you otherwise wouldn't have. And so you still need players on your roster capable of doing that. And I think Mike Williams is a great player to have because, gosh, that ceiling is just so, so nice. In round five, the best pick is Cortland Sutton. I have Sutton ranked 40th, ETR has him at 37, Silva has him at 34, compared to an average ADP of 57th overall. And everything that I just said about Mike Williams, you can repeat for Cortland Sutton. He's got immense weekly upside in a division where like they're going to need to score points in every single divisional game. Uh, he's tied to one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Like Sometimes we should just make things simple on ourselves, right? If you've got a high-end talent, which Cortland Sutton is. He's a phenomenal talent, both athletically and skill-wise. On a great team, with a great quarterback, draft them. Don't make it harder than it needs to be. Someone you could also say that about is Gabriel Davis, though. I guess if you listen to the video yesterday, for you guys, we're not 1,000% sure that Gabriel Davis is like a high-end talent. We're pretty sure Cortland Sutton is, uh, and some of the other players we've talked about in this video are, we don't 100% know yet for Gabriel Davis. We know he's an elite deep threat. We don't know if he's going to develop into more than that. It seems like he is, and I would say there's like an 80% chance that he is. We don't 100% sure yet. But that doesn't really matter because I have him ranked 49th. ETR has him at 40. Silva has him at 46. Average ADP across the industry, 71st overall. And again, I did that in-depth breakdown. So if you want like a full take on him versus Allen Robinson versus Jerry Judy, watch yesterday's video but in short the receiving touchdown upside this season is just like unparalleled like he has as much potential in receiving touchdowns as any player in the nfl and when you can get that this late in the draft you have to be taking advantage again i don't know if he's going to develop into anything more than a deep ball specialist that has a massive role in the red zone i just don't know but you know what? He's locked into the number two role right now. And if he can keep up that touchdown pace, it doesn't even matter if he develops into anything more. He's going to have probably double-digit touchdowns, probably close to 1,000 yards, if not over 1,000 yards. That's incredible value this late in the draft. In round seven, the best pick is Rashad Bateman. And this is actually the first one that I'm going to semi-disagree with. So I have Bateman at 78. 
ETR has them at 58. Silva has them all the way up at 50 compared to an ADP at 83. So I'm only five spots above ADP, which is still, you know, ranked above ADP, good pick, but I'm not like over the moon about him. I actually think that Darnell Mooney should be the best pick in round seven. But everyone at ETR is in love with Bateman, I think because they project the Ravens to be you know, an extremely dominant team this year. They have Lamar Jackson as the second highest projected and ranked quarterback. So I'm just thinking they view Baltimore as being a powerhouse this season that is still going to throw the ball a lot. My projections definitely like Baltimore. I don't have them as a powerhouse. I have them ranked ninth in touchdowns per game with an extremely high run rate and extremely high rushing touchdown rate. Um, I suppose it's possible that they're thinking that like due to these injuries for the Baltimore running backs that maybe they throw the ball a little bit more. But, you know, Dobbins is kind of returning right now. Uh, Gus is going to return at some point. They did draft some running backs. And so I don't think that um, this team's going to like air it out a bunch. And I definitely think they're going to be more run heavy than they were last season. So I just think that maybe I'm just projecting Baltimore um, as a little bit of a worse team than they are. And that's why they have Lamar so high. They have Bateman so high. They still are high on uh, Mark Andrews. Uh, but yeah, I just think that this team is going to run the ball more than ETR is projecting. And so I still like Bateman, five spots with ADP. But I personally think Darnell Mooney is a better pick in round seven. And before we move on to round eight, I want everyone to like recognize what has happened over the last few rounds. We've gone over a lot of wide receivers. Six wide receivers in the first seven rounds have been the best pick in that round, with all of rounds three through seven going to wide receiver. And that is a common theme that we have seen this season. And it's why I'm very vocal about running back early on. I have 11 running backs ranked inside the top 15 total players right now. And I highly encourage running back, running back start. If you're using the rankings, I mean, it's pretty likely if there's only four non-running backs in the top 15 players, it's relatively likely you start off running back, running back, especially if you have like a mid or late first round pick. Um, basically, the only thing that can happen is you could be picking two, three, not even two, actually, three, four, five, and maybe get one of Cup, Jefferson, or Chase, maybe at six if one of them happened to fall to you. But any other pick, you're probably starting off running back, running back. And again, that makes sense when you consider what we just went over. Rounds three through seven are loaded, loaded at wide receiver. So much talent there, but you can't fully attack it if you don't start off with running backs. But if you go running back heavy to start, and now you're attacking wide receiver, the best picks in the draft at the best spots to draft them, I mean, your team's going to be incredibly good. So that's why I talk about running back in the first two rounds. It's so we can take advantage of all these phenomenal values in rounds three through seven. And I want to point it out now because things change. After round seven, we do see other positions start to be better picks. So three through seven, that's where we want to be attacking wide receiver. In round eight, best pick is Tony Pollard. I have him ranked 59th. ETR has him at 77. Silva has him at 62. Industry average ADP, 87. And Pollard's a great pick because he's going to have standalone value. Um, he's not going to be someone you want running back one, running back two every single week. But, you know, if someone goes on by, if someone gets injured, you know, if you have really difficult matchups, someone's not performing as well, and he's in, you know, a 52-point total game, you can always just slide him into running back two, and that's not going to be the reason you lose your week. And then, if Ezekiel Elliott ever were to get injured, well, Pollard's now a weekly running back one. 
And that's extremely valuable to find at running back this late in the draft because ceiling wins championships. As much as I love some pass catching backs late, we'll talk about one of them a little bit later on. And I love players who are probably going to outperform their ADP, not necessarily have the highest ceiling, but players where you can look at and be like, you're a great pick here. At the end of the day, ceiling wins championships. When you can hit on a player who just, you know, in the eighth round ends up being, you know, running back one, that's what wins you a championship. Not somebody taking the eighth round that ends up as like a fifth round value. And so to give yourself access to a rotational player on your offense that can still be used if Zeke's healthy, who also has league winning upside this late, that's a fantastic pick. I think you should be making it every time. In round nine, a very, very, very similar story, Ramondre Stevenson. I have him ranked 77th. ETR has him at 91. Silva has him at 81. Industry-wide ADP, 114. And you've heard me say plenty of times that I think Stevenson's better than Harris. But even if you don't fully like agree with me, believe with me, like that's, that's fine. You at least have to admit that he is the far better pass catcher. And current reports out of the Patriots camp are that, well, they're always going to have a passing down specialist. We don't know yet if it's going to be James White, if it's going to be Peter Strong. Like, we, we, don't, we don't 100% know. But it doesn't matter because they're going to have that on the roster, but Stevenson is still going to fill more of that role this season because, number one, it just makes sense. I've never fully understood why the Patriots love going with that back that you know is not going to get the carries. And now they finally have a running back that can do both. If you put Stevenson out there on third down, the defense has absolutely, especially like third and three, third and four, defense has no idea if you're running it or passing it because he's developed more of the offseason receiving game and he already was so good because he's so shifty in the open field and he's a great pass catcher. That's going to happen more often this season that they give him more snaps in hurry-up situations, on third downs, on obvious passing downs. And so when you add that in, with the potential to see more goal line work, because he's a monster. Like, he could easily be using the goal line over Harris or in conjunction with Harris. So you've got early down, goal line, and receiving upside. He's going to pay off this ADP no matter what happens to Harris. And what if Harris goes down? Stevenson is the only running back on the roster that's even capable, besides Harris, of getting early down work. Harris goes down. Stevenson would turn into one of the biggest bell cows in the entire NFL, and you're getting him in round nine. That is league-winning upside. Round 10, Kadarius Toney, back to wide receiver. I have him ranked 93rd. ETR has him at 71. Silva has him at 72. Industry-wide ADP, 122. So ETR is definitely higher than I am. Oh, just a bit scary because you guys know how like in I am on the Giants offense this season. Uh, I'm not sure I can be as aggressive as ETR in like a non-best ball format because obviously in best ball, all wide receivers just like skyrocket in ADP. We're looking at this from like a redraft perspective. Them having him, you know, ahead of where he even goes in best ball, that's really high. It's a little bit aggressive. Um, I don't think I can put him there until, you know, we see the Giants playing preseason. We see them in joint practices. Like how are they really performing in like live action? Because we think... They're going to be a significantly better offense. But we don't technically know that for sure. There's still a chance that Daniel Jones really holds them back from hitting their true potential. But to me, it doesn't even really matter, right? You see someone with a ranking of 71, 72, and ADP of 122. You're not taking them at 71 or 72. 
And that's why it's sort of irrelevant that like ETR has them 20 spots ahead of me because I'm 30 spots ahead of ADP. Remember, if someone is ranked as a great value, but you reach three rounds ahead of their ADP to get them, guess what? They're not a great value anymore. So we can all agree that Tony is a fantastic pick at his current ADP. So try to get him as much as possible, but still try and get him as close to his ADP as possible. And if you can ever get him behind his ADP, I mean, that is such, such, such a good pick. Round 11. Best pick is my boy, Heem Hides. I was alluding to him before. Uh, more of that, like, you know, less league-winning upside from Hines. I do get that question sometimes is, like, could Hines be a feature back if Taylor went down? Like, no, he, he's never going to be getting all those early down carries. They're going to bring someone else in. They're going to use another running back. But I talked about him a lot on the Tuesday night live stream because he just makes so much sense to still draft, even regardless of like knowing he can't be a running back one. They've been very vocal about the fact that they didn't give him enough touches last season. They want to use him more. They want him to be one of the most targeted players on this offense. They want him to have a ton of receptions. We know he's capable of posting 60, 70 receptions in a season. We know that Matt Ryan not only loves throwing to running backs, but he's done so very effectively throughout his career. So we've got, you know, an elite pass catching back on a fantastic offense with a top 10 offensive line, according to Brandon Thorne over at ETR, in line for a huge talent boost at the quarterback position. Yeah, I'm going to be all in on that player, and I really don't think it matters that Jonathan Taylor is obviously still going to be involved on early downs. I have Hines ranked 98th, ETR has him at 131, Silva has him at 95, average ADP across the industry, 145. He goes late enough to where it doesn't matter. You don't need that running back one upside this late because he can be a rotational piece, especially in half PPR and full PPR. He's going to get so many more receptions than people are thinking, and it can be used kind of like I was talking about with Tony Pollard. If you have someone on by, if you have someone in a brutal matchup, if you have someone who has like you know an ankle sprain, going to be out for a few weeks, you'll be able to use Naheem Hines. And this is not a range we should ever actually be able to use the running backs weekly. So those are the best picks in each of the first 11 rounds in your draft, according to a composite set of rankings from myself, ETR team, and the living legend, Evan Silva. If you want to check out their rankings for yourself, head on over to establishtherun.com and sign up for a package today. If you do so, make sure to use promo code FFA. That'll get you 10% off of your purchase. And if you plan on playing preseason DFS, or maybe you weren't planning on doing it, but you're interested in it, Establish the Run is absolutely the industry leader in preseason DFS content. I bought their package. I highly recommend you do the same. Their content that they produce is second to none, and they make it incredibly easy for you to build a roster given their advice. This is a very big weekend for preseason DFS. Games start tonight, and so if you're interested in playing, make sure you sign up for their preseason DFS package. Again, if you do so, use promo code FFA. That's going to get you 10% off. So, I'll be back tomorrow with the biggest risers and fallers in drafts right now and the most important news coming out of training camps this last week, Sunday, to go over some wide receivers that I would not be drafting on Underdog, and then Monday for another episode of Mock Draft Monday. That, my friends, is the end of this one. Hope you all enjoy. If you did, how about hitting the like button and how about subscribing to the channel if you're new here. But thanks for watching.